Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is February 2nd, uh, excuse me, today is February 18th, 2019, and my guest on the show is Raphael Van Troost. Raphael is the business development lead at BitPatron. Uh, prior to BitPatron, he worked at Actis, an ERC-20 project that was creating trading and analytics tools. Before that, he occupied various strategy and M&A positions at Newer Advisors in Dubai and Geneva, Deutsche Bank in London, and UBS Investment Bank in Zurich. In 2013, Raphael founded Swiss Line Real Estate, and Raphael studied business and economics at the University of Basel, Switzerland, and economics at Yale University, and holds an executive MBA from INSEAD. Uh, so BitPatron is a direct response to patrons' proclivity to censor content on their platform. Uh, BitPatron allows podcasters and video creators to offer exclusive content to their supporters and has plans to integrate a number of other third-party platforms like Discord groups uh, in order to support chat rooms. Uh, so, Raphael, uh, welcome to the Bounty Xerox podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you very much, Angelo. It's a pleasure to be here. So, why don't you tell us a quick summary of what BitPatron is? BitPatron is, um, is an alternative to Patreon. Um, it's Bitcoin based initially, but um, the main key feature is that it's a, it, it has a decentralized business model, meaning we're trying to decentralize the power structure that is usually centralized in typical um, platforms such as Patreon. The advantage of this is that um, we're putting the content creator back in control, meaning uh, whenever there's somebody that is opposing a content creator, for instance, for unpopular for an unpopular opinion, there's nobody really um, in the, in the structure which has the power to mute somebody. Um, not even Bitpatron would have the um, the capability to block somebody entirely. Um, at all times, payment streams, uh, content, and access to followers and patrons is secured by this decentralized structure. And this is something which uh, totally differentiates us from competitors. So BitPatron launched their alpha version of the platform recently. Uh, when was that? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how the launch went? Yeah, so we launched um, Bit, BitPatron in, in uh, December and the alpha was released two weeks ago. Um, it's a proof of concept. And, um, it's to show that uh, we can actually create the platform, it works. Um, it's, still, it's still quite basic, but um, the feedback has been immense and we've had uh, numerous people signing up. It's more to show support and to test out how it would actually work and to brainstorm on how the fully fledged version would look like. And um, so, yeah, we're quite happy. The next steps um, include defining sort of the final, how the final fully fledged version would look like. And also it's an exercise to recruit influencers that can help us spread the word and, and grow this movement. 
So what has been the initial user feedback that you've got from your early signups? Uh, we we observed two kinds of feedbacks, main main groups of feedbacks. One is coming from the um, blockchain crypto space, and they're usually just happy that they're there's a Patreon alternative that is accepting Bitcoin, which wasn't. Uh, there's a couple of others um, providing similar services, but it's there's nothing really sophisticated yet. And then the other group um, are people that are just, you know, they're worried or sometimes even fed up by growing a, a, a content business, um, creating, you know, putting a lot of energy work in be it podcasts, videos, all sorts of material, and then being at the mercy of a couple of large players, not really being able to um, have this longevity in, in their business that other businesses have. I think there's no, for them, there's no issue of getting maybe um, not broadcasted on certain platforms, but being deep platform in the sense of completely losing your business is just something that is um, unacceptable for most of them and, and therefore they're they're interested in, in in this concept that we're trying to pursue yeah well i think that's a good topic that we could uh dig into in a little bit uh further detail so you mentioned that a lot of creators have been being banned from you know platforms that are well known for providing the service in the in to uh, content creators so bit pa uh, patreon is the most well known of all of those uh, services um so bit uh, so patreon has uh, been in the news recently for banning uh, users on their platform who violate their content policies and there's been some controversy over uh what their policies are and uh, you know what uh whether it's arbitrary and what uh, guidelines the users of the website need to follow. And so that's resulted in uh, you know, some, some amount of backlash and people leaving their platform in, in search of other alternatives that are you know, more censorship resistant. So that seems like the, the, the niche market and the, the angle that you're trying to exploit in the market, uh, which makes your service a, a potential alternative to uh, services like Patreon. That's right. So can you give us a little bit of context on that, uh, about the, the Patreon uh, in the news and the, the kind of this problem that is in this uh, space for content creators? Yeah, I mean, we're not really, um, we're not blaming Patreon per se. I think sometimes it's their own decision, but sometimes they probably also have a lot of pressure from third parties such as credit card companies or PayPal. And um, ultimately, um, they're at the mercy as well of other um, players and their their um, business model just doesn't allow them. It's sort of always, uh, they always have to balance between um, being, you know, popular and being um, for the mainstream, but then at the same time, they have to sometimes follow the demands of others and sometimes they're just being cautious not in order not to get into any troubles um and so this is this is hurting the uh, this is hurting content creators not only the ones that get banned i think it's not that many but it's creating a lot of fear so 
if you have uh, a popular podcast, for instance, you're thinking twice if you're want, if you're really building this up and investing a lot of time and money over many years, and then potentially be you might be able to lose it, or you might have to scale down on what you're saying, or try to to sort of um, make it, um, you know, according to guidelines you might not disagree with. And therefore, you might not be as interesting for your audience and ultimately have a less good podcast. So I think that is basically um, the, the, the key thing that we're trying to address and say, and we don't want to, we don't want to create a platform which is for extremists um, and that is allowing everything. We just want to follow the law and we want to have that we want to have the filter not at, on the platform level, but on the user level. So if you're not, you know, if you don't want to see certain content, that's your choice. Nobody can stop you from that, but that should be your choice and not somebody else choosing for you. If it's against the law of a certain country, then we have to either block um, that content in the specific country, or if it's illegal altogether, we just have to delete it. But or deplatform somebody um, if, it, if it's against the law. But the, those are very extreme cases. And even in those cases, we just don't want them on the platform anymore. But that doesn't mean that we want to destroy their entire business, meaning our business model in our case would just remove them from Bitcoin's front end, but then um, their payment um, structure, which is, by the way, in our case, from user to content creator straight away, meaning we don't have any power over the payment, um, over those contributions anyway. So we couldn't do anything and they're not on Bitpatron anymore. And um, the, but the payments would be unaffected. Um, they would maybe not be able to grow their channel the same way as they did before, but we would definitely not destroy the business altogether, which is currently the case when somebody gets deplatformed. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. So as you mentioned, there are a lot of other alternatives that are similar to Patreon out there. So, and, and a lot of people in the in in the content creators have been looking for alternatives. And it seems like there's no one alternative that is really the optimal solution. It seems like all of them have some sort of um, kind of feature set that isn't, doesn't make it uh, the perfect uh, alternative to Patreon. And so uh, there's been, you know, quite a lot of uh, development from projects uh, to try and uh, offer a better alternative to Patreon. And so some of them, for example, Subscribestar, uh, you know, Kickstarter's new Patreon drip. Um, you know, there's you know, quite a lot of other platforms that are working on this problem. And so um, you mentioned some of the features and architecture of the platform that you're emphasizing from a business model and from a from a, uh, a platform uh, architecture perspective in order to emphasize some of these uh, values that you want the platform to um, to hold uh, and some of the values you want the platform to uphold. Um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about so how you're designing this system in order to sustain uh, this type of uh, type of structure where the content creators uh, who are potentially uh, banned from the platform, uh, how they're 
their revenue won't be uh, completely removed, uh, but they'll only just be removed from the front end of the platform. Um, and some of the other design, I guess you could call them design choices that you're making when you're uh, creating this type of platform in order to uh, uphold these these values. Um, so, um, so for example, a block stack ID is one of the features that you guys uh, are using. Um, so you haven't talked. We haven't talked about block stack yet. So can you give us like a brief overview about what block stack ID login is and how having that type of feature for block stack ID supports the types of values that you're promoting for the platform? Absolutely. Um, so our business model is basically trying to lower the power of any player within our business model, including our power as well. So as I said before, we're limiting our power on the front end. And so the other parts that are um, key to the business model are the payment gateway and content storage. Payment um, currently is with Bitcoin, but we want to make this a mainstream solution as well, meaning we are going to choose various payments from Stripe, PayPal, credit cards. Um, so um, they will go directly to, um, to the content creator. Uh, we will just get a not notification through an API that it's been paid in order to unlock the content. But we're not taking a cut out of this payment. It goes 100% straight. I mean, only deducting, of course, the fees of whenever there's a fee involved from be it PayPal, whatever, this, this part doesn't go to, to the content creator, but everything else goes straight to the content creator. And we don't get, we don't take a cut out of this. And once it's set up, um, you know, it's just a, a direct payment and we cannot stop this payment. And therefore there's, there's already one element of power that has been removed from us, which also ma makes us less um uh less vulnerable nobody could put pressure on us to stop a payment since we're not in control of it so that's the payment side and then the other side the content side we're collaborating closely with Blockstack. and the idea is there that content um should be encrypted and should be um again not in our control so um it's a further sort of step in order to protect the content creator it's co his content or her content as well as um the the subscribers um, to their content which would be also stored there and context can be downloaded at any time and therefore whenever even if you would get blocked potentially by block stack which would be highly unlikely because it's encrypted they cannot even link it the content directly to um the front end um, in that case, you would, you know, you would still have, have everything else. You would have your content probably saved. You can download, you can make backups of your content at any time. And so ultimately there's nobody really entirely in control of anything. And, and so this puts just more power to the content creator and allows the content creator to really build up something meaningful. And ultimately also, um, this means that content will be interesting for the audience, which is basically win-win for everybody in this, in this uh, architecture. 
So you mentioned that you're planning on supporting multiple payment methods. So currently you guys have lightning support for uh, Bitcoin payments. Uh, so what is going to be the next payment method that you're planning to introduce? So we, I mean, we like Bitcoin um, since there's absolutely nobody that can stop a payment, a uh, Bitcoin payment from from a subscriber to a content creator, but it has some, it has certain downsides as well, um, such as auto automated subscriptions that, for instance, you, you know, you have small payments being paid every month. They cannot be automated at this point. So that is something which is not ideal. And there's also users. We want to, we want to be a solution for everybody, not just for the crypto blocks, blockchain space. And therefore, um, we know we need to offer other payment gateways as well. In the end, we don't really care if it's blockchain or crypto or whether it's another technology. Um, what matters for us is um, that we can create something meaningful for content creators and ultimately for the content itself. And therefore, we think this this balance taking maybe um, taking other gateways, payment gateways into account and enabling users to pay with various gateways. First, first of all, if it's various gateways, you get blocked by one, um, you still have all the others. If you get blocked by all, all of them, you still have Bitcoin. You can still convince your audience to switch to Bitcoin. But in terms of adoption and in terms of competing with other mainstream solutions, I think it would be too radical to, to just... Um, choose bitcoin only only if you want bitcoin only you can do that that's that you can choose which one which um, gateways you're activating and in, in terms of your question which one is the next one um we haven't defined it yet but we're we're, we're trying to and we're playing around with the with the uh, paypal api and we're trying to we're, we're sort of experiment experiment uh, experimenting around with it and uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be done. We've checked it and uh, it can be done. And so, yeah, um, it, we're right now defining what, how the fully fledged version will look like. We're still gathering feedback and uh, yeah, then we'll decide. But I think Bitcoin is, is, is also a good way to get attention right now. And it's also easier for Bitcoin content creators to move over. We have already content creators from the from the cryptocurrency space that they are doing podcasts themselves or or they're writing reports about investment strategies and they are currently asking their crypt, cryptocurrency audience to go on patreon pay there and uniquely to sort of monitor who paid and who didn't pay but it doesn't really make sense to them since everybody is in the crypto space and they have to do this detour through a credit card credit card systems. So those guys, they already want to be in the platform and we're working one-on-one -on -one with, with various of them and they will be um, completely leaving Patreon. One is leaving in four days and completely moving his um, audience over to uh, Bitpatron. This guy has not that many subscribers, only 250, but each one of them is paying $50 a month. So it's, it's more about showing the use case rather than 
the revenue at this point. And so I think this is showing this is that it works and that it makes sense. And there's um, a business use case for it. Have you guys looked into the uh, Groundhog service for Ethereum uh, payments? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Groundhog. They're a project on, in the Ethereum blockchain that uh, is facilitating subscription payments with cryptocurrency, with Ethereum. And uh, as you pointed out with Bitcoin, that's not something supported. Uh, and it hasn't been either also supported for the uh, Ethereum space and for other blockchain uh, uh, blockchains that are out there. But recently, you know, and that's especially important for these types of business cases where you're offering like uh, you have a group of subscribers who pay a, a small amount to subscribe to your channel uh, every month. Um, and it's also relevant uh, it has also a relevant use case for a subscription as a service software. Uh, if a company is offering, you know, a monthly subscription fee to access their service, and they want to charge clients every month automatically, automated payments is important for that. Um, but there's really been no easy way to do that with cryptocurrency, or at least an, an easy automated way to do that. But we've been talking with the Groundhog te team, and they've released a. Uh, initial version of their service, uh, which offers this type of functionality, and it seems like you know, in for a bit patron, uh, this would be a uh, uh, a natural use case for that type of technology, and uh, something I suggest uh, you guys look into if you haven't already. Yeah, I, I I've I've heard about it. Um, I I don't know why. Um, it's not being pursued any further at this stage, but um, we'll definitely take it up with the team and see, um, you know, whether this can be implemented. I think it's a it's a great idea. Um, we've been lately talking more to um, traditional um, sort of people that have a lot of content in the traditional space, and so talking a bit less about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in the in the last few days, apart from the guys that we're onboarding and are completely happy with having just Bitcoin. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, could be definitely something. I mean, ultimately, our goal is to open to offer as many gateways as possible, payment gateways as possible, because this is making our business model model uh, even stronger. So yeah, thank you, thank you very much for this this pointer. Yeah, I'll include a link to the Groundhog in the in the show notes. We're right. going to be adding uh, support for them for our uh, for our software service that we offer um, on our platform, so that companies uh, who want to purchase our service can do so with crypto um, and just do the monthly subscription. Um, so let's move on to the exclusive content feature. So what makes uh, these types of platforms like Patreon and your platform appealing uh, is that it's not just giving uh, a donation to a project or creator that you like. Anyone can do that, and it's pretty easy to do that with just uh, an address. But uh, platforms like Patreon and like your platform, in addition to that, also make it easy for uh, content creators to give exclusive content to their subscribers and their followers who donate to their channel and who 
contribute to their channel. So can you talk about a little bit about the the content, uh, the exclusive content component and uh, some the, just the value proposition that platforms like Patreon bring from a, you know, a higher uh, stepping back from a higher level, uh, the value proposition that these types of platforms bring uh, to content creators that uh, allow them to provide a service that in addition to just accepting donations uh, by adding like a, a payment link uh, in, in their uh, in their videos. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a key feature of, of Bitpatron as well. Um, we want to be as versatile as possible, uh, meaning we want to, um, it's, it's important for us to have on one hand, a platform that is interesting to browse through and to see high quality content ad free um, for users, even if they're not subscribed. But at the same time, in order to allow this, we, we, we know we need to have high quality content creators and they need to be able to, to grow a, a, th a thriving business on our platform. In order to do that, we're giving them various tools to um, monetize their content, meaning they can go they can give things in, entirely free. They can choose to make a preview um, that you sort of have to pay for if you want to see that the entire thing. Then there's options to that you that that's for some type of content interesting, and for others it doesn't make sense. For instance, if you want to download something that you have to pay then, but you can watch it for free if you don't download it. So we're we're still in the process of. Um, we, to to gather all the feedback, um, but we've already have sort of defined certain of them that we think are a good idea. Um, but yeah, um, exclusive content is is important in order to um, encourage high quality content producers to be on the platform in the first place. Yeah, it strikes me that another important feature would be the integrations with third-party applications. So let's say you're a content producer who uses as your primary content channel uh, a podcasting host or a YouTube uh, channel. You have a YouTube channel um, or a Twitter channel. Um, so uh, offering a, a feature which would allow uh, content creators to integrate the content that is produced on these third-party channels into their their uh, bid patron uh, profile, so that followers will be notified through bid patron anytime you know new content is created by one of the uh, content creators that they're uh, subscribed to. So, do you guys have plans to integrate with these third-party platforms, and what is the some of the um, uh, most sought after, most requested platforms and, and timeline for this. Yes, that, that is the that is the case in our um, alpha. Um, you can already embed uh, YouTube videos, um, but as I said previously, the the alpha is more of a, a proof of concept, um, and um, so yeah, um, third parties, third party applications. Are more than welcome, but you can also upload them on your own in, in case you don't want to rely on them. But um, it, I think it's, I think you will see that Bitpatron is always trying to find this balance between protecting the content creator but still allowing for the ease of mainstream solutions whenever possible. So we're not we're not sort of pursuing this radical 
um, business model where we're trying to be completely bulletproof and not allow any sort of Silicon Valley company on the platform and be this sort of how do how do you say sort of this this project which is more trying to recreate something that is um, that is completely sort of you know not relying on anything that you're familiar with this is not the this is not the case the only objective for us is to allow content creators to to create high quality content without fearing of losing their business and if we can allow mainstream solutions to be on the platform without causing any problem then that's more power to to everybody and that's great so yeah it will be possible to embed any any type of content and so you're planning on not being just a completely uncensored uh, platform uh, which is totally censorship resistant but working within the existing ecosystem so that you can support partnerships with uh, payment processors like PayPal and MasterCard and Stripe uh, and yet still have a balance where uh, in the event that uh, a specific content creator has uh, their account uh, suspended that they can still access their content and still access revenue uh, using third-party sources. So it's kind of like this middle ground approach where you can still sustain ma mainstream adoption and mainstream, mainstream growth, but uh, not having some of the downsides that some of the existing platforms like Patreon have uh, regarding uh, their content policies and the payment of uh, their, uh, their content creators. That's right, but I have to add that if you want to go completely radical, you can. You can have all your payments in cryptocurrency, so nobody can control your payments once they're set up with your subscribers. Nobody can stop them on transferring you those payments. Then um, you can have your content on Blockstack, which is very safe. But in case there's a problem there, you can host you can host it somewhere else as well. So there's um, we will have this feature that you can host it on on your own um, server if you want um, and then lastly yes you can get um, if if you don't um, break any laws you you will be on the front end and if you break the law you will you will not be in the front end anymore and then you can either look for another third-party provider that is allowing you there or you can create your own website and, and publish it there obviously you will be not be marketed anymore by bitpatron but um, so, in other words, yes, um, you can you can go very 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 um, extreme if you want in terms of being sort of completely resistant by any third parties, um, apart from the from the from the front end where you you would be removed if you breach um, existing laws. Yeah, so one of the controversial topics relating to the the bit patron issue was that of uh content creators producing content on third-party websites and then being banned on bit page or on a, on patreon for the content that they produced off uh their website 
And so it was uh, a lot of the commentary on this in the news over the past few months has been criticizing Patreon for not being clear on what those content guidelines were so that content creators didn't really know what they needed to be following in order to not have their content banned or their accounts banned. And then in addition to that, there were some issues relating to not uh, knowing what the content policies were and how to follow them, um, follow those policies. Uh, and then also they're just being like on a case by case basis where uh, Patreon would be um, evaluating whether or not to ban any given content creator on a case by case basis, looking at the facts and circumstances of each individual case. And that doesn't really seem that scalable. Um, and also, leaves a lot of opportunity for subjectivity. So for individual uh, subjectivity in deciding which uh, content creators are allowed to post content, which aren't. And the subjectivity depends, would depend on, you know, the type of content they're producing. And, you know, that is also related to a lot of the controversy in the social media space as a whole, uh, where, you know, you're seeing content creators being censored or, or banned from various platforms like Twitter, for example, based on the views or, of the content that they create. So uh, like political speech or other types of speech. Um, so it seems like Patreon's uh, from an outsider looking at this situation, it seems like the difficulty has been in crafting content policies, which can be followed and that are clear and that don't, uh, favor certain viewpoints over others. So, how do you? How does BitPatron? Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on on this topic? And how does BitPatron plan to approach this topic of of uh, content guidelines and uh, those relating to uh, policies surrounding um, you know, what content is allowed on the site, uh, whether people would be banned for for activity off the site. Or, or their viewpoint on, on issues expressed on other platforms. Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. Um, we see it. We completely disagree um, with the with the current movement of putting the um, putting sort of the decision making on what kind, why, why, which kind of content is tolerated and not tolerated to the platform operator. I think it, we think it makes no sense at all. And as you mentioned before, there's constantly adoption of guidelines based on political pressure, which has um, mostly no legal basis. It's just based on um, consensus and sometimes it's consensus in, cer in certain um, certain areas of the U.S. It's not a it's not a global it's not a global solution, and we want to be a global solution. Meaning, there's only one simple factor to do that, and that is is to say, we allow everything on the platform which is not breaching any laws, and we are putting the filtering mechanism in the hands of the user. Meaning, if you're a user and you don't want to see certain content. That is your choice, and you can have you can filter unwanted content, even if it's um, you know you don't want to see certain political bias. Then okay, you can do that. You don't want to see certain um, you don't want to see any anything religious. Then that's your choice. Um, 
but we think it's completely wrong to the um, that the platform operator is choosing for you despite that there's absolutely no legal problem um, so we understand that there needs to be some sort of filtering mechanism um, otherwise you just get um, sort of exposed to all sorts to all sorts of content that you potentially don't want so we put this filter in your own hand and you can choose that if that's what you want but we think it's wrong if somebody else is choosing for you So let's jump to a different topic. Uh, what are some of the recent funding goals that you guys have uh, accomplished on the business side in order to support development of the platform? Have you guys raised funds from private investors and what are your plans uh, regarding uh, f uh, business uh, funding? Yeah, so um, at this stage, we haven't accepted any funding yet, but um, we're considering to raise. Um, we don't need anything at immediately to develop the platform. We're six people and we have um, our own, we are financing the current development on our own. But obviously, um, the next phase would be to um, to gain more traction for the platform and this requires us to be potentially frequently at various locations and for that uh, as well as legal and other others other sort of services that are required to grow the platform and um, and therefore we are considering at this stage to 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 raise uh, funding um, we're talking to um, various people right now um, also vcs um, Primarily from the U.S., um, but we haven't uh, we haven't sort of closed anything yet. Uh, we hope there will be something um, potentially in the next three months in order to sort of kickstart that second phase where we're going to be much more visible. And what is the the uh, long term uh, roadmap in terms of? Uh, making the business model profitable. So Patreon, I think, recently mentioned that their current model wasn't sustainable and that they would be exploring other types of monetization models. So, for example, letting creators sell content uh, like mugs or, or that or uh, T-shirts uh, to their followers. So what have you guys uh, planned and what are you guys planning to to do in order to uh, monetize th this type of business? Yeah, um, so we've, um, we have defined many, uh, several things that we, that we don't wanna have, um, and we have defined a couple that might happen. So we haven't fully defined it yet, but what we don't wanna have is, we don't wanna have any ads, and we are not, as I mentioned before, due to our business model, we're not taking any cut cuts from the uh, from the payments. What currently Patreon is doing, the the ideas that we have to monetize the platform are um, one is that larger content creators would have to pay uh, a contribution at a certain size to be on the platform. Um, that is one option. 
Um, so basically, in the end, it, 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 it turns out to be the same. It's a cut of whatever they make, um, but it's not, you know, it, it's not, we're not cutting them off. If they don't decide, if they decide not to be on the platform or not to pay us, then they would just not be on the front end. Um, but they would not lose their business. Whereas um, if you're with Patreon, you don't really have a choice, right? If you don't, if you, there's just a cut being taken away, it's up to 15%. I think it's, it's, it's quite high. Um, and you, you have really no choice to sort of choose an alternative because once it's set up, it's very hard to move your, your audience elsewhere. So that is one idea. The other, the, the other idea is similar to sort of, um, Google, when you, when you sort of look for content, let, let's say you're looking for, let's say, guitar lessons or so. And, um, in, in, you know, uh, in order to sort of have um, preferred search results similar to a Google search, that would be another way that we could potentially, um, you know, um, monetize the platform. Um, I think this is once you get a certain traction, there's always various ways to monetize it. So we have it um, in, in the back of our head. We're constantly sort of um, brainstorming and discussing it also with VCs. Um, but it's, I think once you get traction, once you get this content that is interesting and the people using the platform, there's always going to be various ways to monetize it. And for us, it's important that we don't sabotage this then by choosing the wrong uh, monetization method, which potentially is harming then the quality of the platform. So tell me about the BitPatreon team. So you're based where? And uh, you said you have six people on the team. Tell me a little bit about the folks who are who make up the team. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, we're based in Belo Horizonte in Brazil. We're um, six people. Um, the majority of this team has been working for a company called uh, DGI Digital, which is um, an IT development and consultancy uh, firm in Brazil nationwide with around 450 employees. Some of them have been in the early um, sort of in the early team when the when the team was only 10 to 15 people and um, the team has um, has initially worked on with other people on a, on a project called Octus, which is a um, financial analytics tool. And this project was an ERC or still is an ERC 20 project. And um, this project is, is being run by friends of ours and we have um, the, the six people that um, are working on BitPatron. We have previously worked all on Octus, but left the company after the, after the ICO, uh, when it was re, um, uh, re, uh, downsized and have then been um, doing several roadshows and several um, sort of attendance of, of various sort of uh, blockchain meetings and have been talking to all sorts of peers. And then at some point we sort of realized what our next project will be. And it was clear that it, it must be in the free speech movement, which we are care greatly about. And so, yeah, we're six people out of those six and four, four are developers. 
very experienced guys with um, all of them have 10 years plus experience. And then there's me in business development. I have a financial background. I've also done um, real estate investing and have um, had a great interest for various technologies throughout my career. And then there's one more, um, uh, one more guy on the team, Vinicius. He has also a business development background. He's a very strategic guy and is sort of immensely important for the strategy behind Bitcoin. So that's the team at the moment. Great. So two more quick questions and then we'll uh, finish up because we're running low on time and uh, sure. you covered a lot so far. Uh, so over the next 12 months, what would be a metric that you think would be a good metric to measure uh, your success? <clears throat> I think the, um, there's several metrics. The, the short-term metric is to get um, influencers or content creators with a wide reach, or not the absolute top tier, but the mid-tier, which um, are creating exclusive content on Bitratron, meaning um, there would be content that is desirable and interesting, which would be exclusive on our platform. Um, in terms of um, a milestone, um, let's say in a year from now, um, I, I, we haven't defined a clear number, but I like let 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 me make one up for the team. If we would have, let's say maybe ten thousand of really high quality um, content creators, that would be that would be huge for us. Um, and, and then obviously anything above that, um, even better. But I think. Things like this, if you want to do it in a high quality way, um, it, they're not that fast initially. And then once it works, it can go very fast. So I think it will require um, at least half a year just to get the fully fledged platform ready. And of course, during those six months, we're already, um, I mean, even now we're already onboarding people. But um, during those six months, it will be immensely important to get the right people right content creators on board or at least supporting us and then the second half year is really the time where we can hopefully drive up those numbers uh, subscription numbers and if there's an interesting content i think we don't have to worry to worry about the audience if you had to choose like the top three most important features that you um, need to introduce into the platform in order to start um, really picking up traction and making the product uh, more appealing to uh, onboard new content creators. What do you think those three three most important uh, new features would be? I mean, at this stage, the alpha is, is, as I mentioned before, you can embed YouTube videos and I think one other format. Can you remember what we have? I think, yeah. So it's it's basically we need to be able to you need to be able to embed a, a, a broad range of of formats. That is important. Um, then, right now we we focus more on the technology rather than on the user experience. So I think the user experience needs to greatly improve, and we know exactly how we want to do it, but it needs to be done. And then third. Um, and it's probably the most important is 
to have various payment gateways to be not just appealing to the cryptocurrency space, but also to other content creators. Great. And so last question, uh, what are some upcoming dates that uh, you have uh, that you'd like to share with us, if any? Yeah, so we have, um, there, as I said before, the 22nd of February, there will be sort of the first, um, the first um, content creator completely leaving Patreon and moving everything um, to Bitpatron and we will make an announcement, he will make an announcement. So I think this will be great to watch and, and also great to follow to see if everything is going to work from a technology standpoint and whether this business case works um, and whether it makes sense to move over. And um, we haven't defined um, a date yet for the, um, for the fully fledged release. But I'd say um, you can expect it, I'd say, around May. And of course, everything that uh, we're very active on on Twitter, um, BitPatron Co. Um, you can always um, follow us there and get the latest news. We're really active. And uh, we also get a lot of um, interesting characters sometimes asking us questions. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to follow the whole movement. We get people from all sorts of political views. We get people from the crypto space, from sports, former politicians. Um, we have um, people that were running for uh, the US presidency that even uh, posted about us. So it's kind of interesting, um, the people it attracts, and we want to be there for everybody. So it's, it's interesting to follow. And we will put, whenever there's an important date, we'll put it there as well. Uh, great. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure having you on our podcast to talk about uh, the platform that you guys are developing and we wish you all the best of luck and we'd love to have you on uh, our podcast again uh, after you release the updated platform or whenever you have any new updates or news to share. Uh, you have an open invitation to come back on and share it with us. And uh, we'll include a link in our show notes to um, where our listeners can learn more about BitPatron uh, on your Twitter channel, on your website, and uh, various social media links. Uh, so it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, my guest on the show has been uh, Raphael Van Troost, uh, Business Development at BitPatron. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Angelo, for this opportunity. It was my pleasure, and I hope to be back. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.